grace be unto you in peace, peace from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, amen. The word of God assigned for our meditation for the second midweek Lenten service is taken from John chapter 11. It's printed for you on page 6 if you want to follow along as I read those words. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? That is God's word. Dear friends, he stood only five foot five inches tall. He barely weighed a hundred pounds. He looked like a 90 pound weakling. But this man, about whom I'm speaking, was the most decorated war veteran of World War II. His name was Audie Murphy. He received over 30 medals for his bravery in battle and for saving many of his fellow soldiers' lives. He was also awarded the highest medal that any American could receive and that was the Medal of Honor. Even though outwardly he looked like some weak human being, yet in Audie Murphy there was a warrior. He didn't look much like a warrior either. I'm talking about Jesus. Although we know some things about him physically like he was born in a barn in the town of Bethlehem. He grew up as a descendant of David and really a son of a carpenter. We also know things like he, he was very poor. He didn't even have a home in which to live. There are other things we don't know about him. We didn't know what he looked like. We didn't know how tall Jesus was or how much he weighed. Was he big and strong or was he short in stature like an Audie Murphy? We, we, we don't know. But there are some other things that we do know. In many ways he looked just like an ordinary human being. And in many ways you could arguably say that at his friend's grave it was even more evident that he was just like us in every way. For when he approached the tomb of his friend he was moved inwardly as he saw the grief of others and he himself was moved to tears and, and we know what that's like. The tears of others can move us within too and even cause us to cry. 
And that's what happened to Jesus as he came at the death of his friend. He was moved by the grief of those he loved, and he himself was moved to grieve at such a loss. And like all the rest, he looked so helpless, he looked so weak, he looked so little at that grave. Although there were those that noticed his concern and care for Lazarus and his loved ones, there were others who raised some questions about why he waited so long to come. They said, couldn't he who had opened the eyes of that blind man, could not he have prevented Lazarus from dying? They perhaps raised those questions because they saw other things in Jesus as well. They didn't just see a fellow countryman. They didn't just see a fellow human being. They saw him turn water into wine. They saw him calm a storm at sea. They saw him cast out demons. They saw him multiply fish and bread so that thousands could have something to eat. Yes, some saw and more heard about how he had raised a little girl from the dead and a widow's son in the town of Nain. And just recently they had heard about how he had healed a man from blindness who had been born blind. And knowing that he had the power to help, they were wondering, why hadn't he come? Even Lazarus' sister asked that question. But we know the answer to that question. He told his disciples and Martha that Lazarus' death would result in the glory of God. They perhaps didn't know exactly at that moment when he spoke those words, but they would soon know for when Jesus finally approached that grave, he raised Lazarus from the dead by simply calling, Lazarus, come out. And by that mighty miracle, he revealed his glory as the almighty Son of God. And the battle that Jesus won that day at Lazarus' grave was simply a foreshadowing of a greater battle greater battle that he would win at his death and prove at his grave too. And, and we know how that went, right? He was deserted by his disciples. He was betrayed by one of them. He was arrested by soldiers in the garden even though legions of angels could have prevented it. He allowed scoundrels to bear false witness against him in front of the church leaders. And he let the spiritual leaders and the political power falsely try him and condemn him. And then he allowed soldiers to spit on him and to whip him and not only pound their fists into his face, but also pound spikes into his hands and feet as they nailed him to the cross. Through it all, he looked so tiny. He looked so weak. He looked so helpless. 
But you know there's an old saying that goes something like this. I, I hope I'm going to say it right. It's not the size of the man in the fight, but the size of the fight in the man. Now, I, I don't know how true that is regarding human beings, but I can say that that is true about Jesus. Because when Jesus died, we know that he isn't just a man. There was more to him than flesh and blood and a human soul. The scriptures plainly say that in him the fullness of the Godhead dwells. In other words, Jesus was a warrior who had the power to defeat our enemies, sin and death and Satan and hell, and yet he hid it all. He hid it all in weakness. And that's the amazing thing about what Jesus did for us as our warrior who went to war for us. He won our salvation by turning things upside down. In other words, all the while that they were putting him to death, they thought they were in control of him. And yet, as the Almighty Son of God, he was controlling them. And yes, when he died, he demonstrated his power to save in his lowly, his weak death. And unlike humans who from time to time will do something heroic and die for others, a few, he is the one who died for all. And allowing them to take his life from himself, he was gaining eternal life for them. That's how Jesus hid himself as our warrior. He did it in his lowly and humiliating death. So what has that got to do with Lazarus? What has that got to do with us? Well, everything. You see, the, the account of Lazarus' death and, and Jesus raising him from the dead is one of, one of the most touching, I think, accounts in all of Scripture about Jesus and his love and, and care for us. In many ways, as he stood and cried at the grave of his friend Lazarus, he showed his human side, that he's our brother in the flesh. That it's hard for us to comprehend that the Son of God would know what we go through when we, when we suffer loss of loved ones. But Jesus is able to know that because he isn't just God, he's also a man, our, our brother in the flesh. He knows what it's like to cry when a loved one dies. He knows what salty tears taste like when death rips loved ones away. He knows the anger that is part of the grieving process, though without sin. And as we see Jesus weeping at his friend's grave, we understand all the more what the scriptures meant when, he said, when they said that our Savior would be a man of sorrows. But, if that's all he is, our brother in the flesh, 
then there would be no hope for us. But he's more than our brother in the flesh. He's the Son of God, who not only had power to rise from the dead himself, but he had the power to raise Lazarus from the dead. And what that means, dear friends, he's going to raise us from the dead too. What an amazing Savior we have. And having won our salvation by hiding his glory, his Godhead in human flesh, he now has ascended to his rightful place of glory at the right hand of God. And you and I can't see that glory either. We won't see it in all of its fullness until we get there. So in a sense, you can say that he hides himself even now from us. You see, he hid his glory in winning our salvation, and he hides his glory in giving that salvation to us. What I mean is this. When you take a look at a book, when you take a look at a bath, when you take a look at bread at a table, all those things look so simple and weak and ordinary. And yet when Jesus attaches his promises, we need to remember that through those means of grace, that is God's power to save. It's in word and sacrament that he creates faith in us and sustains faith in us. And there is more. There is more. As our warrior ascended to heaven, we can say that, that he still fights for us even, even though we don't see it. He's our high priest who lives to intercede for us. So dear friends, even though we can't see it, every prayer that you offer to your Heavenly Father, Jesus receives and brings to the throne of grace just for you and me. And then, He also fights for us as our King. He rules over everything in this world, even though it may not always look that way. And He does that for the benefit of you, His redeemed promising that in all things, both good and the bad, he will work out everything for your eternal good. And even though we can't see it, he also protects us. Yes, he's with us too. But even though they are unseen, he sends his old holy angels to guard and protect us, warriors that serve us at his bequest. Yes, hiding his deity in human flesh, he won our salvation. And hiding now his glory in his exaltation, he is still fighting for us by preserving us unto salvation. And what shall we do for this warrior who won the battle for us? Should we give him a medal of honor? But what's gold and silver that all belongs to him anyways? No, we can give him something better than a medal of honor. We can honor him with our thanks and our praise. And we can honor him with our hearts of faith and our lives of love and obedience. Amen.